Anecdote one. I had a dream the podcast was over. Seriously. It was terrifying. What happened? This is last night. Because I think I was going to come back here. And, uh... God, anecdote music makes everything better. Yeah. I was only going to stay alive if I won a Dota 2 match. And I was playing pros. And I was kicking ass. I was playing, but I was playing as a really bad lord. I was playing as Spirit Breaker. Everybody thinks he sucks. Baradun, Barad, Barad, Baradun. This is like Dota one name. Okay. And we were winning, and I had all the sick loot, all the sick gear, and I went back to the well to get like a new, I think like a Desolator or something. I don't know why I would get that as him. Maybe that's a good build. Somebody in the forums will tell me if it's bad. Uh-huh. And I sold all of my gear accidentally at the well. And it gave me... And I had zero gold. And I went into fights. And I would be killed every with one hit. What does that have to do with the podcast the being canceled? We lost. And the podcast was then canceled. The podcast oh, was being canceled. Oh, you lost the match. And then Out of Thumbs was killed. Yeah. That was a dream I had last night. So... I'm back. It's September 26, 2012, and that was Anecdote 1. This is Idle Thumbs 76. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vanneman. Hey, guys. Hey. Welcome back, Sean. How's it going? I missed you guys. Good episode last week. Oh, thank Thanks, you. Sean. Yeah, really good JP was here. Yeah. Yes. Very good. How was XCOM playing it? Uh, it was really good. Yeah. Uh, well, we've already. I guess we've already done a podcast since. Oh, yeah. That was... I was talking about XCOM on the podcast last week. Well, you'd know if you listened to it, Sean. It was good. Okay. It was fun to watch the stream. I popped in for a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you guys are getting wrecked. But, oh, uh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. you must have come in the latter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Evan was just like, hmming a lot. Like, hmm. But uh, yeah. I'm currently downloading the demo for the new one. Yeah, since oh, we yeah. did that stream, the demo of the new XCOM has come out. Yeah, I played it. It's funny, actually. I played it at PAX, and then I played it, I played it again today, and... Uh, so one, it was it's really good, and uh, it definitely makes me want to play the game. Two, um, the one I played at PAX was Xbox 360, and the one I played here was PC because I downloaded it through Steam, and it definitely, definitely demonstrated that the PC version of this game is really solid. The and they did a thing that I think is great in PC games that I think we've talked about a little bit before, um, but a lot of ports don't do this, which is to build in a lot of redundant interface stuff, by which I don't mean just have a lot of visual, busy, extraneous shit on the screen. What I mean is allow multiple ways to just seamlessly allow just multiple play styles, basically. Yeah, exactly. So like you can control this game entirely with just the mouse cursor and the left mouse button. It's, it seems, uh, or seemingly almost entirely with the keyboard and maybe just using that's really the mouse awesome. to like that's, select targets uh, or any and i fell you know somewhere mm-hmm. using combination of the two and like it was all totally seamless with a game like xcom that seems like a thing you really want i mean like mm-hmm. with with a more streamlined game it's not as big of a deal but like right if it's just a straight if it's like a half-life game or something where yeah, all you're doing is moving and games shooting. that are asking you to do more than one type of interaction it's yeah. really nice to map the same way that something like a photoshop or like an actual professional yeah. environment would, Absolutely. which is just yep. however you want to play this game or however you want to interact with these things mm-hmm. especially will because, allow them yeah. right especially because on a as a turn-based game it's very much about weighing information and essentially inputting a decision it's not about like quickly 
reacting with a reflex or whatever. Right. It's about, you know, just inputting data. Basically, it makes it sound more boring than it obviously actually is. It's really fun and cool, but you know, you're you're interacting with it in a like input output way explicitly, you know, more so, I mean, every game is that obviously inherently, but also oh, you're interacting with this, game. you're interacting with it. Uh, but anything they can do to just m- make the kind of input layer feel less in the way. It needs to feel deliberate good. and not, because it's not, it doesn't need to be re- like as reactive. You're not, you're not playing like a skill game, right? It's just reactive like a in a different game. way. This way I think it's more reactive to your kind of, inborn or not inborn but learned expectations for how for how (laughs) for how an interface works right so they'll have things like you tab through you hit tab and it cycles through the guys on your uh on your team uh to choose which one you know you want to issue orders to but you also can do shift tab to cycle through in reverse order and that's the kind of thing that just if you never knew that it would make no difference to playing the game but if you are just accustomed to doing that because that's the same way tabbing works in Windows. or Right, like you can like, go backwards through an Excel cell or something exactly, like that. Exactly, yeah. right. Or like tabs in a browser or whatever. Like th- those things just work the same way. And so it capitalizes on knowledge you already have just from using computers. Like, so right. cool. Specifically right. like with the tab key. Mm-hmm. You're like, so if you're, you're a tab like, master, you're, this is, that's true. Be fine. If you're familiar with programs that use the tab key to cycle things, you can master XCOM far quicker than the average user. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was it built for the controller up front first, do you it, think? So my suspicion is that it was probably like always built with like an that? eye towards the controller because um, you kind of have to design with those limitations in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it's what it and I, I I can't say that authoritatively because I just don't know. And I assume they also had mouse and keyboard in mind the whole time as well. But like Being you, know, you can't you can't design for something that is impossible to play with a controller if you're targeting consoles. But that said, a turn based game does not really suffer from being on consoles, at least in terms of, of input. Um, that doesn't mean that, that the UI is interchangeable. It's not at all. You want to make sure that you're... Right, but when you don't have to worry well, about how quickly you can snap the mouse cursor exactly. over to a unit, it's not yeah. as big of a That's deal. That's one of the reasons turn-based strategy games and like strategy RPGs have been much, much, much more successful on right. consoles, especially handhelds, than or any real-time strategy games which have never become Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. And, and even that, like, turn-based game, clearly. Even then, it feels like strategy games aren't, even turn-based strategy games aren't super popular on consoles. Not on, not yeah. on, not on the, on television But things like Advance consoles, Wars. But on, on handheld, they've, they've been super Oh, yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Successful. No, I'm thinking about the major TV No, no, consoles, for sure. Yeah. I just bring them up because the input method's basically the same. You've mm-hmm. got a D-pad and some face buttons. Yeah. Um, and that's totally fine for playing XCOM, but what's nice is that when you're on PC... Um, you just have so many more, you have hotkeys and you have, again, as I said, the sort of different redundant ways you can input the same information that just make it feel so much cleaner to interact with. Mm-hmm. And just, again, it's one of those cases where because there's redundancy, you know, you play through the tutorial and it just tells you the one way to do things, which is fine. Like it, it you don't want in the tutorial them to be like, oh, by the way, also you could click here. Also you could press X. Also you could cycle through, like you don't, that's just too much for a tutorial. But what's nice is that at, over the course of a couple missions, you can start to absorb all the different ways you can do things, and just whichever one feels more comfortable to you to you is the one that you'll you'll land on. And I that's just I, the reason I'm talking so much about this is because it's something that a lot of PC boards don't do, um, and it you know it it feels really good to play. And they did a lot. They did not only things like that that are sort of invisible. They actually added interface elements. Like there's a grid overlay on the PC version that apparently is just not even on the console version, hmm. which is cool. And there's also things like um, hit percentages that 
uh, pop up in the PC version just when you mouse over a guy, whereas you'd have to dig for that information on the console. Right, of course. Just things that take advantage of the fact that you probably have more pixels on the screen. You're sitting closer to the screen and probably. Just, just like, sweeping the screen for information is easier. It's super, right, exactly. Mouse over is super easy. So um, there's just a lot of things that they that they added to the PC version that you could theoretically put on the console, but they just make so much more sense when you have a mouse and keyboard at your disposal. And it's just nice to see that stuff reflected. Having played the 360 version at PAX and then the PC version now, it's uh, um, it's it's nice seeing the distinction. Um, the other weird thing about the difference between those two, I feel like I played like a ghost version of this demo at PAX or something. Oh, like a ghost version? Like a, like a phantom. I had like a phantom level when I played the um, level that's oh, exclusive think, to the Phantom console? I think the PC version is only three levels out of a five-level tutorial structure. So It's only two levels. Oh, is it? Yeah. But I, I think that... that wait, yeah. wait, why did you say three? Have you heard someone say there were three levels? I thought that I heard I thought that I thought heard three out of five on the Out of Thumbs forums. Really? Yeah. My God. I need to figure out what's going on here because <laughs> when I played this at PAX... Did you say three levels? Like- <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I played this at PAX and I, was, and I was sitting there in the 2K booth playing it. I didn't have to stand in line, luckily, because I... Cause I used to work for take two games. And Do you I get different there, follow-up levels like, depending on if you choose Europe or North America on no, the map? No, well, I think in the game you would, I think in the full campaign you would, but not the tutorial levels because mm. I think they probably didn't want to re-script a tutorial level, like two different tutorial Optional levels that, tutorial teach, content. that teach you the exact yeah. same thing. That, so, yeah. seems, so no, in that case you don't, but, and I don't know if you do in the full game or not, but I assume that things diverge in the main game. Anyway, um, the reason I, the reason I bring this up is because when I played through at PAX, I was sitting there, and I was on my th- the third level, and I was like, "Man, I've been here for like forty five minutes. This is a re- no wonder people are standing in this line for like three hours. This is a really, really long demo for a for a floor demo." And I and I finished it, and I'm like, "Oh, well, that was really." Cool. And I got to I finished the third mission, and then it was like, "Thanks for playing the XCOM demo. Please come back in October and play the real thing for real." And I'm like, "All right, cool." And then I I talked to some other people who had played it, and they're like, "Man, that demo was cool, but it was really short. There's only those two levels." And I'm like, "Oh no, there's a third level." And they're like, "No, no, I don't, I don't think there was." And I was like, "Oh, you must have just you must have just stopped playing, friend." And like, and then I talked to a bunch of people, none of whom had played the third level. And then when I downloaded the PC one, I'm like, "All right, well, this time definitely there's going to be those three levels there." And then I and I played through it and ended after the second level. And I'm like, "This is wait, this is what everybody else said they experienced at PAX." When I had the when I had the third level that I played all the way, this like twenty minute level that I played through, um, and then you just said three levels, and I know I don't know what's going on now with this. Demo. I've heard that there's wait. I said three. There's only two levels, Chris. <laughs> Son of a bitch. What did I say? I said two, right? I said it's like two out of the five level tutorial. Huh? Sean checked out a while ago. Oh. <laughs> definitely, definitely levels. There's only two though. Two. There's at least two. Anyone who's experienced the third level, um, please write in at questions at idlethumbs.net. Yeah, no, I, I'm uh, <laughs> yes, secretly pressing the security button under the table. Like Chris <laughs> has talked about the third uh, XCOM demo level. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I don't understand what the deal with that is. You know, maybe maybe the, there's like a random roll. Maybe the second level was just really hard for you. Maybe you thought that you won when it said game over secret completion and you, ha- you well, hadn't maybe like there is yeah that'd be a weird thing to put in a demo but maybe there is it's a total side quest yeah maybe it's a side quest i've never i didn't because yeah. one of my one of my people died when i played it uh, <laughs> one of my people by the way it's just kind of like, like you're part of some sort of like broader social circle well xcom 
one of my one of my squad members died on when I was playing the PC one, and that was not the case when I played it at PAX. So maybe if none of them die, you get another mission. That seems really weird, though. I don't think that would. I don't think that's what it is. We'll get to the bottom of this, yeah. though. For please, sure. Please write in the questions at all times. That <laughs> I'm really looking forward to playing the game, I'm though. Insane. It's cool in the yeah. in the demo when you they. The the first demo level is really lame, which is it's just yeah. a deterministic demo that's, level. That's that all just, I was able to play at lunch, and yeah. it was the most frustrating yeah, intro to sucks. XCOM. Like, if you yeah. love a really overly cinematic sequence where everyone jumps through windows and have and you get a, to make a no narrative, decisions. and yeah, you just click where it tells you to click. You're gonna love XCOM. You're gonna love the first <laughs> ten minutes of XCOM or whatever the yeah. first twenty five minutes yeah. of that game. It's and there's no way to skip any of that stuff, which yeah. is incredibly frustrating. frustrating. You can turn off, I think, the cinematic cam. In regular gameplay, but the tutorial, all that what stuff What I want to watch them in. crash through windows and have the windows turn orange and stuff. That was rad. <laughs> Spoiling um, it. But the, but the, <laughs> Spoiler, a guy crashes through a window. I didn't know that. Um, so I can understand why they did that because it's just – it's forcing you to have to, to do like regular movement and running and targeting and this and that. That's right. fine, whatever. But like – but the thing that's actually cool about the scenario they scripted, since they were able – you know, since they did deterministically – uh, develop this level the way they did. The one cool thing they did with that choice is to make three out of four of your squad members just eat it. Yeah, everyone eats it right <laughs> off the bat in the yeah. tutorial, which is good. Which I is like really that. cool. Like that. That's a very. Um, that's a good. That's a lesson that they teach you in that level that they that isn't one that is spelled out. Like yeah. most I think of, we most of the about lessons that last week actually. Oh, did we? Oh, yeah. Well, whatever. Then I won't say. It Spoiler, guys. They kill off your guys in the tutorial. <laughs> See idle thumbs seventy five. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's a cool demo. You should play through it and and just power through the goofy first tutorial level, and then in the second level, there's a couple turns of that, and then it just lets you go. And, and then in the third level, <laughs> there's nothing in that level. Was that you censoring? Yes. The idea of a third level. Yes. Mm. That was farting, actually. Okay. No, because Jake Solomon, who's one of the, I guess he's the I lead, he's the, the lead dude, yeah. was on the panel that I was on on PAX, and that guy's a really sharp guy. And it was unfortunate because the panel was so big that I ended up wanting, wanting to just hear him talk about his thoughts. He was on the storytelling one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. When I thought he was the guy who was sort of in the middle mm. of, you know, like the sort of there was. He's making a very clearly mechanics based game, but he also has to be responsible for narrative content within that game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I well, it ha- has a clear narrative layer. Right. But it's but it's not. But that's not the driving force of the, the way yeah, that exactly, like the yeah. Bastion or obviously right. Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of bummed me out that we didn't actually. I wanted to hear him talk a whole lot more. Yeah, he seems really. He seems like a really smart guy. I've, I've, I haven't seen tons of stuff, but I've seen a couple interviews mm-hmm. uh, with him, or a while, probably last year, I guess, when they were starting to talk about the game publicly. And he really seemed like he had a really strong. He's been at Paraxis for like sixteen years. Seriously? Yeah. So basically, for the entirety of that company. For the entirety of his life, yeah. He's because he's a young guy. Is he really? Yeah, he's he's been there since the beginning. He was an intern there, like wow. like from Jump Street. That's crazy because yeah. I, I sixteen. I think I'm being really egregious, but he's been there for a long, long time. Over ten, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Fraxus is interesting. They seem to really give. They seem to be very willing to hire extremely young people and then give them a lot of and grow them and freedom. Yeah, I think that's yeah. awesome. Like John, that's John so Schaefer, not who, the game industry uh, designed. He was the lead designer of Civilization Five. And he was like 25 when that game shipped and yeah. he joined them when he was like 22 or 21 or yeah, whatever. Like just as he was just some modder that they mm-hmm. hired basically from the mod community. And he worked on uh, Civ 4 under Soren Johnson, who's, who's also a pretty also, young guy. Also, yeah, young guy. Yeah, I was going to um, say Even Soren now, he's young. pretty young still. And uh, 
and then he got to make Civ Five. Like he got to yeah. make the game he wanted to make. I, I think that it's such an awesome thing to do. And as you say, it's not typically. What yeah. Well, also just something that it, the game industry is incredibly bad at is just growing talent. Oh, it's true. It's sure. really yeah. we're super good at burning out talent. <laughs> really good at that. We have that nailed. But the idea of sort of of seeing the long term potential in somebody and then putting them and it's not malicious and then putting them on a path no. to growth is just something it's just not an institutional skill this industry has ever really developed yeah and i wonder why i I find myself thinking about that a lot actually not antidote to anecdote to antidote not not the antidote i don't (laughs) have the the, not the antidote to this ill of the game (laughs) (laughs) but i do find myself thinking about that a lot about how hard it is to get somebody on a path and really mentor and i think it's because game game studios um like a development studio tends to the departments tend to be quite small like games tend to not like games tend to come in at budget or over budget um schedules tend to be fucking crazy there doesn't there's not a lot it doesn't feel like the way that the that game studios tend to generally be managed doesn't feel like there's a lot of wiggle room to be kind of mentoring somebody and like bringing somebody up which is a shame because it it should there should be room for that and then on the publisher side they tend to be such big farms that people just get lost in them i assume like it's it's um there's not really just that that good solid kind of mid-level thing where there's people who know a craft well and who how it's understood well and the companies run in a just sort of level like even keeled way Mm -hmm. and there's just room for people to slot into that at a low level and kind of grow up within it yeah like the animation industry is a perfect example of that Mm -hmm. and even actually most of the film industry where you're sort of an apprentice Mm -hmm. especially if you're below the line guy you know you're like oh i'm in between you know i'm a cleanup artist okay now i'm doing in betweens okay now i'm actually doing like being given a section to be a story artist on like for animation here in uh I wonder if it's just because that the skill set, especially for 2D animation, and a lot of 3D animation to some degree, and I don't mean to overstep my knowledge bounds of 3D animation, is specialized in a way that there's a lot of knowledge share across disciplines, whereas games is specialized in a way that there's oftentimes very limited or zero knowledge share across disciplines. So like a good programmer doesn't know how, isn't going to animate jack shit, you know? So everything's just so hyper-specialized that you're hiring people to do that hyper specialized job as opposed to do well, a mix th- of that and manage well, and, and managerial probably, stuff. Probably more specifically when a game company hire, especially if it, if it's an independent company or even a publisher owned company on that is not hugely enormous. Generally when you're looking to hire a specific role, it's cause you just need that person exactly. chair right now to that, just yeah. do the thing, yeah. just get in there and do it. We don't have time to be dicking around with a bunch yeah. of other shit. We just need this thing done right now. Uh, because we have six months left on this project and please get in there and do it. That, that, at least that's what I've seen. Usually. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Cause yeah, I mean, we are particularly good examples of just, cause I've been in the industry really young, same as you, Jake. And like, mm-hmm. I, uh, I remember just, I remember when I'm, it was like 22, all I wanted was somebody to mentor me. And then I realized that was never going to happen. So I was just like, Oh, I'm just going to try to make something cool. On my own. And so much of it, like just the, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if that's just the way it is. If that's just the way games are, it just is always going to attract the sort of creative people who shut the world out and make something cool on their own. Bums me out a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those I struggle. With idle it. thumbs. Well, that's just 
that sort of turns into the how do I get into games question right. that no yeah, one that no one ever yeah. knows how to answer. And it's because sick, like yeah. I think about like well, you started in games when you were twenty two. I started when I was about nineteen. Yeah, okay. I, I started when young, I was like yeah. twenty five. Yeah. Um and my path was just like I was working on the website and then sort of just started poking at people. Like I forced uh, a mentoring program by way of like it's like a pointillistic, weird, like uh, <laughs> just ask questions of whoever is nearby and happens to seem smart until I eventually sort of amass enough knowledge to maybe like press the right button for myself and make You're a like thing do what I like wanted to do. You're like one of those fish that swims next to the uh, yeah. the shark. It's like, I got that. I got that. Yeah. And then eventually you were like, it's so often be on your own. That was that was the noise of Jake gobbling up No, I understood the metaphor. But yeah, it was similarly. It was... <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a standard approach either. I imagine well, you it's could, not. You would never tell that to somebody. Get hired to make a website and then... Right, like, exactly. <laughs> and then annoy people well, until you're a director. Like, <laughs> get get a, a weird random land at Disney as an intern and then somehow spin that into pitching a AAA title and then have that go a weird direction and then like like what everyone's take a mile given given be given an inch and take a mile yeah, essentially that, that what, seems yeah. like the story that i end up hearing the most yeah and but it's cool that that Firaxis seems to actually enable that structurally instead of instead of you feeling like you're yeah. getting away with something yeah, it seems exactly. like that company is built around actually recognizing i'd be really interested happens. to hear about yeah. well it is kind of, it's also kind of a cool thing yeah. about, not to i mean i feel bad talking about this because it's my employer but like that was a cool thing to see start to emerge at Double Fine over the last several years is the Amnesia Fortnite thing. Oh, for sure. Where, you know, Tim just says to everyone at the company, if you have an idea, pitch your game, and if everyone likes it, we'll try to make it. And, like, you know, it would be hard to do that if you didn't actually have any concrete skills. But, you know, if you you are an ambitious person with an idea who, and you work at Double Fine and and an Amnesia Fortnite happens, you can potentially get your game made if you Mm -hmm. get people excited about it. And that's, like, a really explicit way to move into a position of responsibility that, you know, obviously only, you know, half a dozen people at the company are going to end up doing that every two years or so. But like, there's a structure there. There's a understood process that exists at Double Fine now, which is someone pitches a game, they internally recruit a team to make a prototype, people get excited about the prototype, find funding, make the game. I imagine that works reasonably well at Double Fine. And I mean, I have no idea really, but it would seem like that's not a formal like mentorship process, but at the same time, Double Fine is a studio which probably has a pretty widespread of industry, like reasonably reasonably fresh industry faces and people who are who are in it since like CGA graphics. Lords. I think that stuff actually, um, in my experience, at least at front. Well, just I, my experience is limited. Obviously, I can really only speak personally to Irrational and uh, and Double Fine. But what I've what I've found to be the case actually is that it's really discipline-specific. So if yeah. you're a programmer, well, I guess well, you, there's a junior role for you for well, sure. All I was going to say is if you're someone in Double Fine who ends up pitching a game and ends up being in a lead position because your Amnesia Fortnite pitch got accepted, that's not necessarily people's first time in a lead role. But Double Fine but is it, a studio which has is. a ton of people yeah. who, at least in that context of like creative directing or lead designing a reasonably small game, you'll get a pretty sweet... Uh, kick in the pants experience wise at that studio compared to a right. lot of other structures. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but what I was going to say about disciplines, I think, is that if you're if you're a programmer, for example, there's almost certainly a junior role for you somewhere because everybody always needs programmers all the time, always. Um, whereas at a studio like Double Fine or Rational, for example, if you're an artist, like if you if you look at the artists at at those studios, for example, they're much more likely 
to have a lot more years of experience behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you're a programmer, there's people from like every, every number of years of experience from like right out of college to I've been doing this like programming at the engine level for like 15 years. You know, you can find anyone, everyone right. in between those two. Um, so I think it's pretty, I think it, it's probably depending on how desperately I'm given <laughs> discipline is needed um, yeah. to some degree. But also I think it makes sense because programming, it is so much of a understood defined craft. Like there is, you know, there it's understood. Um, it's a thing you can get a degree for that's pretty comprehensive. And like you can give someone a programming test and doesn't mean you can guaranteed know how good a hire is going to be obviously, but like, you know, there, there are measurable competencies things you specialize in and yeah. this and that. Yeah. Um, whereas things like design is kind of the opposite end of that where it's a lot fuzzier. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. Game industry careers. Yeah, why are we talking about this? <laughs> I don't know. That's my fault for sure. Yeah, that's fine. That's okay. I was talking about Jake Solomon at, at Fraxis. Yeah. yeah. No. Cool guy, apparently. Made a cool game, apparently. Yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to XCOM. It's on October 9th, I think. 8th or 9th is when XCOM comes out. And also <gasps> when Dishonored comes out. Yeah. So oh! there have been no, like, there Just have been no <laughs> major releases for months. Like I have, I've just there, been playing so few games over the last few months. I've just no, not there's been some, excited. There have been, by, there have been some big things. Just nothing. Like what? Well, isn't Borderlands two out? No, I mean just things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, isn't yeah. Partially two out? Yeah, okay. It is. Oh, well, and I and I have I have played some Partially two actually, so I can talk about that in a in a few seconds. But um, uh, I also played a bunch of Torchlight two during the beta, so I it doesn't mm. you know what I mean? Like, right, right. It feels less. Um, new and exciting at this point, which I guess is a jerky thing, but like, um, oh man, please, those of us who had beta access, this is hardly, it's, I wouldn't <laughs> even call it a game release. <laughs> um, also, I played about a bajillion hours of Torchlight 1, yeah, which is not a knock on Torchlight 2, but um, XCOM and and uh, yeah, no, are it's both too, things it's that, too right, reasonably, reasonably new things yeah, coming yeah. out. It's crazy that they're hitting on the same goddamn day, yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm gonna, uh. What? I'm even Austin that day. Mm. Be at GDC mm. down there. Cool. That's actually anecdote too. Uh oh. Yeah. All right. Now that I remember it. <laughs> oh, good. This is working out nicely. I didn't think I was going to remember any of these. This one. This is what is it? Anecdote two. Similar to anecdote one, in that my brain was in an altered state. So I'm going to GDC Austin, Narrative Summit, mm-hmm. doing a talk, Tuesday night. This is a new development. What are you talking about? I can't remember the title of it. <laughs> but I wrote the pitch, and I wrote the title of it. I think it is called Empathy and Character and World Design, or something of that, akin to that. Uh-huh. I was watching Steven Soderbergh's Haywire the other day i heard that was kind of bad oh yeah it's a mixed bag at least i want to talk about soderbergh not in this anecdote (laughs) maybe on this (laughs) podcast (laughs) this is a weird one i had some beers a lot while i was watching haywire with amelia realized i had figured out my gdc talk got my phone wrote all 25 minutes of the talk into my phone put my phone away finished the movie went to bed woke up the next day with a headache went to my phone having remembered that I wrote my GDC talk the night before 
while drunk watching Haywire. Reddit. Indecipherable. (laughs) (laughs) Full on made up words. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Come see that. (laughs) Oh, good. Can you can you post that on the Auto Thumbs blog? Of course. Okay. <laughs> I'll post it to be followed in three weeks. With no, I, I think I should post them at the same time because there are no, thoughts. No, no, because no. no, no, there are thoughts in there that oh, I that feel. Are cogent, yeah. yeah, that are cogent. <laughs> so, uh, and that, that are actually, that will actually seed broader points that will be made by a human being and not mm-hmm. whatever fucking animal I was. <laughs> this, is, this ties in really to the super hexagon discussion from from last week kind of yeah, yeah yeah that was a good discussion by the way yeah, also you drunk is hilarious to me <laughs> also you doing the math problems in your head to prove to yourself in a social situation <laughs> that you're allowed to be there yeah. also something i used to do oh really oh extensively yeah, yeah. especially in college yeah yeah i didn't it, do that in college well in college because it's like i didn't really i never drank in high school like senior year by five but when i got into college i was like fuck everything i don't care anymore but i didn't really i didn't do anything like that in high school but then i went to college and just instantly got on the fast track and i remember just you're in social situations all these new people so you're like gotta keep my wits about me oh there's girls here okay gotta do that so then the math gotta do math gotta do math girls (laughs) (laughs) i didn't drink in high school anyway there's girls here i gotta do math problems (laughs) accurate (laughs) yeah but I will bring this back to video games because I was I've been I was thinking about this actually. On, on, you said you will or you won't. I am going to. I'm, I won't bring I'm this back. I will not bring this back. I refuse. To bring anecdote this. one. No, this is more. Uh, this is more thought. Anecdote zero. <laughs> this is pre anecdote. Anecdote <laughs> zero. A thought. A cyberpunk novel no, I by Sean Bannerman. <laughs> I spent some time over the past uh, ten days. Think for various reasons. Um, one one that is an anecdote. Okay. One that right. is anecdote. So this is a prologue. This is pre-anecdote, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've spent, I spent mm-hmm. quite a bit of time over the past like 12 days thinking mm-hmm. about... Um, actually, Borderlands 2 is also kind of folded up into this. Wow. Because Borderlands 2 is kind of the game like I know I will like or would like. Mm-hmm. Like, just mechanically... Wide open spaces, playing with your friends, lots of like get a bunch of weird stuff and like know it intimately. Oh, this gun shoots like this much and that, you know, like... I've been up on what, how this game is made, and it seems like it's something I would like. But again, like it's just something we always come back to. But like the theme is just like, <sighs> just totally not what I want at all. Right. Meanwhile, Biden, <laughs> big on Biden lately. <laughs> right. This sort of like okay, I I'm feel really like, curious to see where this is going. But I feel like like if there was a TV show yeah. that captured the sort of je ne sais quoi of biden and the, and the game of, mechanics of borderland the point is, is no, but like the theme of just like veep is sort of like satire yeah but uh and sometimes when the west wing was at it it gives so you, you want the west wing with biden edition you want let biden be biden essentially yeah but have, it you gives seen, the, have you seen the thick of it yeah yeah and i like the thick of it a lot but it gives you these sort of glimpse but it's still sort of satirical oh yeah um, quite satirical. yeah but it gives you these glimpses and i all i think the west wing is a, is a deeply flawed show um, but I still like it a lot because of these glimpses it gives you into like the, just the feeling of what it's like to be around these people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think games can do really well. The feeling of what it's like to be in the situation, um, and be rarely, but the thing is rarely around these people, right? Ones that, like, you don't really play games and be like, Oh, I'm so glad I was around this crew of characters unless they were like the guys from FTL where they're just like 
eight pixel by eight pixel like blips and you imbue them with your own, you know, ideas of what they are. So you like to be around them and you know, the story of, you know, scoops and boost all doing their shit. Um, but you don't ever, it just really bothers me. Because I've been fantasizing about sort of like, God, how cool would it be just to be like a staffer on Biden's campaign, like on the on the Obama campaign, but on with like, I'm on Team Biden. Oh my God, or like a junior speechwriter. That's all I've been thinking about for like weeks now. Like, why wasn't that my path? Like, I wish there was some sort of like I could easily go try to find that in TV or film to just like really like geek out on that show, but I'll never be able to find that in games, and it really bothers me. So. Biden staffer the game is not the takeaway. (laughs) (laughs) But I've been doing a lot of thinking. But Junior Speechwriter for the 3DS is for sure. Oh, man. Speechwriter Junior. It just, I mean, it's it's the same point we always come back to. But this this sort of like hyper-narrow thematic window of games really upsets me. Yeah. Because I feel, especially with the book cast... And especially something about <laughs> Biden Atlas and it's like any theme you want is just in that one. Yeah, novel right you know, there. it literally <laughs> he 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 shifts themes not to step on the bookcast. Tune in next week. He, <laughs> shifts, he shifts themes like it's a fucking like Porsche. Like this is like dropping in the yeah. third, yeah. you know, and it's unbelievable. And but not really themes like more no, milieu, different, milieus, word, different yeah. meaning in the term. It in does. Of literature. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I know what you mean. Setting, setting, you know, character tone. Yeah. Very disheartening. Hmm. But I've been thinking a lot about Biden. This sort of like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, don't you ever? Aren't you just waiting for the next stupid thing to come out of his mouth? That's just perfect. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm like waiting for my next dose. Because well, recently, there's been such a flood of just awesome, hilarious shit. Oh. Thanks for the help. <laughs> Cheers, champ. Cheers, champ. Anyway, what are we talking about? Video games? Oh, uh, Biden. I don't know where the hell I'm going to put that into. <laughs> <laughs> no, all that. Cut all that. That wasn't very good. I just want to take a break. Yeah, sure. Anecdote, too. Anecdote. The antidote. <laughs> <laughs> the antidote to good podcasts is this podcast. <laughs> oh, I wish we were rolling when I was trying to explain to you how anecdote and antidote were the same to me for like 15 years of my life. <laughs> They're homonyms. What? They're homonyms. Video So it's amazing to me that Patrick Klepek's nickname on the Giant Bombcast is Scoops. I know. What's it's un fucking believable. What the fuck is going on? They've got Wizard. <laughs> they've got Scoops. Fuck that. We predate, we predate them on both of those. I'm like 99% yeah. Oh, yeah. Scoops for We predate them by, on Scoops by like four years. Uh, yeah, we also predate them on Wizards, I think. It's bullshit. This is bullshit. Jurassic Park also. Wait, really? Is that a thing with them? Yeah, it's a huge thing with them. What? Hu- Jurassic Park is a huge giant bomb thing. Really? Yeah. Google giant bomb Jurassic Park. What? They're obsessed with Sam Neill. <laughs> they make his noises. Their, obs- their weird prop obsession is the little raptor claw. That- yeah. I'll catch you here. Like That's what they keep saying all the time. 
Yeah, the giant bomb guys love talking about how you're still alive. But yeah, the, you. the Klepek scoops <laughs> thing is doors. unbelievable to the me. The scoops thing is ridiculous. Yeah, it's unbelievable to me. There needs to be some sort of throw in our beef. It's just that how can it not? <laughs> how how is that not? We should just start introducing fake memes and see how long they take. <laughs> <laughs> We've been planting rogue memes. Yeah. The problem with that is that just NeoGaf would start using them. <laughs> I like the idea that there's a situation where someone Wait, would say, hey, Scoops, and we- Steve and Patrick are both in a conversation. Huh? What? <laughs> oh, then they just kill themselves. Um, we should actually make a shirt that says Scoops and it has both of them on it. A shirt that says, hey, Scoops. It would say, hey, Scoops on one side and have both of their faces on the other side. <laughs> or it just has Patrick Klepek's face on it. That says idle thumbs on Yes. Video <laughs> Because like, on well, FTL, yeah, someone's so like, oh, hey, saw you in FTL, Patrick. And then he's just like, hashtag scoops. Yeah, he's like, yeah. fuck. I've only had one of the of the Idle Thumbs extended family. I've had Dengler. It's the only one I've had in my crew. Well, everyone's had Dengler. Uh, Dengler was my most recent pilot. Oh, Dengler, Dengler is my, my co-pilot. That's my bumper sticker also. If it's not- <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> if they're not, like, friends, then I usually rename them. And I almost I- And I always rename the ship. I never notice their names until it's too late to rename them. Like, I'll, I'll be in the game and I'll be like five jumps in. And, and then you're like, I'll, oh, Brecken's in this game? <laughs> oh, I'm going to lose. I, I've got... Uh, Nick has been on... The, Nick has like... Nick is such a weird person. He's been playing... Uh, he's been playing FTL a bunch recently, like, on this hilarious quixotic quest to... Uh, to win? To win. <laughs> um, but, oh, to beat a video game. Yeah, but I mean, he... But what's funny to me about it is... is and this is such a this is such a Nick thing to to do, is to pick just the most bizarre battles, you know. Where I'm like, oh, you should you should play through it on easy and like, you know, just just play through the whole game so you can get that whole arc and like see what the, you know, like learn some learn some lessons and like unlock some ships on easy. He's like, no, that's bullshit. That's cheating. <laughs> I guess it's just a mode of the game. It's there like difficulty modes are arbitrary numbers. Like there's nothing about them. You know, like some guy, some game designer just just picked them. Ultimately, it's cheating. You know, like at the end of the day, That's like bullshit. some games are harder than other games. I'm with Nick on this somebody, one. Really? Yeah, because the game defaults to normal, so you have to move it down. Does it? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So you have to move it down to easy, and so it just feels like the way they've set it up institutionally inside of the game. It just feels like a concession. It just feels like you're saying, "Fuck it, fine, okay." This game's kicked my ass too much. Like so, I, I do get that feeling. That's yeah. how I feel right now because I won't. I refuse to move it down to easy. Yeah, I absolutely refuse. Ugh, that fucking game. <laughs> what if when I you weren't like looking, that, someone moved I was it down like to easy? You didn't until, know until the live stream, though. Like the the when we when we did the FTL live stream, I had never played easy before, and I just on a lark, never having done it, decided to play easy just because I wanted to increase the chances of having a fairly long mm-hmm. stream. You know, like where we get through a decent arc of the game. Um, cause I, you know, I mean, I had played really long games on normal before, but like, I just wanted to increase the likelihood that would occur. And then I, and I realized like, oh, this is actually a really, like they deliberately made it so that all unlocks are difficulty level agnostic. Like that was obviously choices they made deliberately. Right. Um, it doesn't feel like they intended them to be siloed off. Um, the, the game, like it's one toggle and every single other thing about the game, but they still track, track achievements and stuff per difficulty level. So it's not like it's giving you credit for right. beating on all level you didn't. It's just acknowledging that both of these difficulty modes are part of the game. Um, to me, it seems to- it seems totally valid. Um, I wonder why they defaulted to normal. Or the easy and normal is also nomenclature I probably wouldn't have used if you only have two difficulty levels. Yeah. 
Probably. I yeah. feel that was a mistake. The game's normal awesome, and though. hard, maybe reason. Or like hard. easy yeah. and real game. <laughs> yeah. Baby and college baby. But the reason I bring it up is because it just strikes me as a really Nick thing. Like, oh, to Nick, just like to take just, this one to thing, just pick this thing, and just be the most and hilarious, make it about stubborn that. butt yeah. about it, like beyond all reason. And the funny thing to me about it too is that he plays it like it's this fucking honor, like this. It's it's a matter of like honor and stoicism and resolve. But then you go on his Twitter feed, and he's just like. Rah, rah. <laughs> mm, lost another game you know like it's just the, it's he just like has the most new hilarious. high score now when he loses yeah. it's just it's a good point though. like contrast of like real men play on normal but then it's just pfft, he also drinks he drinks point. dr pepper 10 <laughs> while playing wait really what is dr pepper 10 oh you haven't seen this no it's like dr pepper for dudes really diet soda with 10 calories because your girlfriend can't handle them Seriously, that's the commercial. The, 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 the slogan is the, no girls have zero men. Oh, have ten. ten. Good. Yeah, isn't the slogan? It's not for girls. It's really like like no oh, no cool. ladies. Nobody allowed. go marketing department. It's really odd. It yeah. is like the little rascals meets grown men misogyny. <laughs> it's weird, huh? Anyway, Brecken was posting about this. No, just that. Very masculine. Oh, I'm going to do this. Sure. Yeah. 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 You can probably cut out the fake plug for no. Dr. Pepper 10. <laughs> this episode, Three Antidotes, is sponsored by Dr. Pepper 10. <laughs> One of those 10 is the antidote. Anecdote. No. The, an- the, the antidote. For the antidote for your anecdote. But anyway, as a result of that, I kind of, I've been getting back into ftl again not that i was out of it for all that long yeah. but just seeing nick on steam all the time and just seeing all also since it you know released recently of like it's been in twitter a lot and i've been I just it's a game that i, I hear it's on the idle thumbs podcast network this week on three moves ahead oh that's true they yeah i haven't heard it yet because the episode just went up a minute ago but uh there was head is talking about FTL. it's week. ftl week at idle thumbs yeah mm-hmm. apparently so uh, we'll to also that be point, reading, I was making uh, myself not play it. What? But I played like 10 hours of it last week. You didn't succeed about it. Oh, no, you I were making really yourself not play it. Because I was like, oh, I, why am I playing this? Oh, I shouldn't be playing this. Everybody's going to be talking. They've already talked about this on the podcast. Why am I playing <laughs> no, I this? I the same thing. And I was just com- weird. It makes uh, me guilty about compelled. the games I play yeah. or don't play. Yeah, and it's the only thing that runs on my seven-year-old the MacBook sentence, Pro. The sentence, why am I playing this? I've probably actually talked about this. this sorry, this is a stupid diversion. But... um trucks which have a sticker on the back which say how am i driving <laughs> is an amazing like twist of the english language to me yeah right i know how am i driving oh my, this oh my god like what please call us 800 number <laughs> i am piloting eight tons of steel and rubber wheels barreling at like i don't understand a down fucking thing that's going like, on i just woke up in here how am i driving i actually think about that sometimes like the fact that individual humans... Oh, you think about like, it as like an existential crisis, but for me it's just a confused person crisis, who's asking you. Not a crisis, but just like a weird bemu- like bemusement. Like, <laughs> I guess these are two sides of the same coin, sort of. But like, just the idea that an individual, like, 150-pound human being needs like two tons of metal and electronics and and fossil fuels to like get from point A to point B is I mean it sounds like this sounds like the douchiest hippie thing to say and I don't mean it that way. I don't mean I just mean it purely as like wow. This it's, is like it's always weird situation um, to realize as a as like a species that this is what we use. God, this is a weird thing to be talking about on this fucking cast. This is a, whatever. It is weird like as people I think 
you sort of don't see the person inside of a car. Like a car, cars be- have faces. But I mean, they they also <laughs> sort of become an extension of you, right. where just like mm-hmm. your hands make the yeah. car move and you like honk at another yeah. driver. But that becomes the equivalent of you. Hey, hey. yeah. Uh, but then it's really weird when you stop and just look at a person just driving a car. <laughs> it's hilarious to me. Like, there's a guy in there just doing stuff. Homunculus. Like, turning that wheel, like, both feet on the clutch yep. and the gas. Like, it the really shifter, is, like, like, just working the radio also. Like, it's the weirdest fucking thing. Even, yeah, just the most basic, no-nonsense car is the future. Yeah. Like, we've got these weird individual transportation devices that are, like, some of the most complex pieces of machinery that most of us will ever interact with. And it's just second nature. It's like nothing. You get in like, one and you kind of just like a bunch of levers move around. I feel like this is a thing that we have talked about in the past because it always actually reminds me entirely of video games mm-hmm. and of, like, third-person dual stick-based stuff yeah. and just the feeling of... Your arms doing this ridiculous, like, you know, just looking at the hands of someone who is playing, right. like, Smash Brothers. And you're just like, that is not what, it, that doesn't mean anything. But, like, your brain right. just converts, yeah. you know, it just rewires your sensory inputs to they're be doing all, this They're all thing. arbitrary yeah. motions you're doing. Like, pressing a gas pedal is no reason right foot moving down as just, and then staying in the same place. Oh, now I'm going right, 60 miles an hour. Right, but it turns into complete involuntary right. muscle movements yeah, exactly. the same way yep. as just picking yep. something up. Or like, I wish to move faster now. Like, you don't think you know I will walk faster. You know the best expression of that? What? Quop. Uh, mm, I don't know. Quop is, in fact, Quop is the mask slipping off of that's that. True. Quop, Quop is, is the opposite yeah, of that. the absolute opposite. Yeah, Quop. <laughs> Quop is showing all the things that could go wrong if you don't have all that shit 100% internalized. Yeah. Which is a thing I think about with cars sometimes, too. Like, Especially looking at a big, like, 18-wheeler or something on the freeway. Oh, like, how am I driving, guys? Bring it back around. The slightest, like, second of just inattention by that guy could, could, could theoretically a final destination just make too. everybody die with, <laughs> like, a 40-foot rate. You know, like, if that guy just suddenly swerved for no reason, and not, I mean, this kind of thing has happened. Right. Just, guy has well, an aneurysm. everyone's and, fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a wrap. Everyone behind him is just dead now. Uh Cars are weird. It's weird. To tell cars. cars are weird. They are. I've been watching you two have this conversation for five minutes and just. They're pretty weird. Sorry, I knew, I knew I was going to send us weird. I have a car. I'm not saying I don't understand them. I'm uh, just I saying, don't think you're using weird as a pejorative. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured that we would be derailing this the much like is, the semi driver. How are you driving? Oh, how. Oh, how am I, how am I doing? How am I doing this? How, how is you this would take it an entirely right different way because I think Jake was thinking of it more as sort of like oh my the narrative of the goof of this. <laughs> like, oh my god, I'm wearing bunny slippers and I got right, like, Chris like, like shaving cream in my hair. Chris was, how am I driving? And this guy's like, how, I'm nuts. How do we drive? Why are cars? What is car? Yeah, whereas I was like, what is this? <laughs> how am I this driving? some guy in a fugue state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how am I driving? He's just emerged from one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, what were you talking about? The third anecdote. Oh, man. What? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, what is happening right now? I have to come up with the third anecdote. Remind me. Oh, what? At the end of this anecdote. Oh. This anecdote. The third anecdote. Oh, remind you when? To tell you about what I'm going through right now while talking about the third anecdote. Okay. All right, go. This is the shortest anecdote. And I would say anecdote is a stretch of what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently 13 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Some kid wrote in Nintendo Power 
and was talking about his dream system of the future. It was like a bazillion bits or whatever, and he had it all scoped out. And the game that came with it was Super Mario Galaxy. What? Yeah, that's what he said. He said, and it comes with Super Mario Galaxy. The end. And Tommy's like, oh, that's great, Tommy. Letter of the month. You're an idiot. You know, like classic, like little kid just wrote in. And then it's got four bajillion colors and nine control ports. And it comes with Super Mario Galaxy. I thought that was really interesting. Oh, Funny. because it's like the extrapolation of Super Mario World, Super Mario, like, <laughs> it's solar pre- system, pre- Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah. I guess it is when you look at it that way, it's pretty easy to get. Yeah, that was, that was me. Anecdote. I wrote that email. Anecdote four. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Well, Auto Thumbs is a podcast, some, some say. <laughs> Jake, you saved the third anecdote. <laughs> so what was I supposed to ask you about? Oh, I didn't have the third anecdote when I said the words the third anecdote (laughs) and Chris grabbed the guitar. I I just did it as sort of like, like maybe if I just shock myself into doing it, (laughs) I'll find something to talk about. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, So I went into a panic, so I started talking about... did you make that up? No, that's a real thing. I saw that on the internet. Oh, I saw that on the internet. Yeah. Midway through that sentence, I thought you were going to say, I saw that on the news. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Did you see... The news. Ted Koppel just take a giant poo on Bill O'Reilly. No. What? <laughs> Sorry. What? The what? news. That was unfortunate. <laughs> what? what are we talking about? Oh, I, re- I forgot we're on the podcast. Wow. <laughs> well. <laughs> so have you guys played the video games this week? <laughs> no? Got any more anecdotes? <laughs> I played some uh, Binding of Isaac this week. Or yesterday, I guess. Oh, we haven't talked about that game on the podcast. Just what I played. <laughs> <laughs> so you're back on the. Have you, were you actually playing the um, the DLC? I'm not sure. I loaded up. <laughs> I don't know how Never to. Sure. I don't know how to tell. <laughs> this is just the same thing. <laughs> well, I played. I played. You know, like through several levels of it, and there was a lot of stuff in there that I'd never seen before. So I don't know if that means just the DLC or if that stuff is just updates that were in the game. But it was a weird experience playing a single-player game as opposed to, like, an MMO or, like, a multiplayer, right. like a Team Fortress or something. But it was weird update. to be playing a purely single-player game where I went in and there were just, like, almost every room had a thing in it that I had never seen before despite having put in, like, 100 hours, you know, 120 hours maybe in that game in total. Uh, I go into it now and I'm like, wow, I don't recognize any of this stuff. There's an entire new system, like pa- like a passive perk system that's in there now that was just never huh? there when I played it. Like there's a new kind of item you can pick up that just gives you passive bonuses that just lives oh, yeah. on the side of your screen that yeah, just yeah. wasn't there when I played. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. I need that to succeed in those <laughs> games. <laughs> I, like, I, like I picked up cancer. Um, oh yeah, that sucks. No, no, it's good. Oh what? It makes your tears better. It makes you cry more, I guess. <laughs> Wow, this game. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Sometimes you actually discuss the the uh, thematic content. I don't of thumbs, Isaac, like you're surprised. <laughs> sometimes the podcast is like a mirror, Chris. Yeah, well, <laughs> you say words on them, and they bounce back into your ears. I didn't make this up. I know, <laughs> That's what but video game is. But you didn't this have is this. What video games are? It seemed like in that instant, Jake and I looked over and saw you have critical analysis of the game that you did not have while playing it. No, no. I actually did when I was playing that, and then I, I, that's what happens when you play a video game, unfortunately. You keep sounding like you're on the brink of being really moved. It's really funny. No, I mean, when I, when I picked up when I picked up this I mean, item, answer. no, it's good. When I picked up this item and I saw what it did, it was like, yes, then immediately at the time, I had 
you know, reaction to it. But then over the course, this is what happens in a video game. Like you play it for like, hours oh, and then it just becomes oh, a sweet, functional oh, good, thing. Good, I got that like, cancer. Good, any good, of that good. actual impact just drains away milk tears, chocolate from milk you. tears and cancer. Good. I mean, it's, but you know what I'm saying though, right? Milky like that game tears. is like exhibit A when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the first time you encounter that. those things, it's like surprising or shocking or whatever. Uh, and then it just becomes just churn for the, yeah. for the level, for the grind, not levels, but like, you know, we're just getting through. Grisp is a mill. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you find yourself saying it aloud, and then you remember. <laughs> Do we want to read a reader mail? Or? Yeah, we get some good ones. Yeah, we could read some reader mail. Chris is going to be reading the reader mail. This is. this is the one that is the weirdest one. Right. I'm sorry. Oh, well, speaking good, of good that, games. next week's uh, episode is going to be so good. Martin King writes in Binding of Isaac. So aren't you glad I brought this up now? Reader Seg. In Binding of Isaac, there's a beggar who you give money to, one penny at a time, in the hope he will give you an item. Generally speaking, you should always throw him some money, because eventually he'll pay out with something good. I live in Toronto, a big city with a homeless problem. One day after playing a lot of Binding of Isaac, I saw a homeless person. I had the, one of the strongest instinctual reactions I ever had in my life. My brain screamed at me th- these words in an instant. Oh, I need to give that, give that woman some money right now. I've never directly given a homeless person money before, and immediately afterwards I got a headache from the sheer cognitive dissonance of the situation. Has anything like that ever happened to you guys? Thank you, Martin. Fested a fool on the forums. First, it's worth pointing out that video games do not create violent behavior. Thanks, Jake. That being said... That being said, uh, whenever, I, doesn't play, have to go, whenever but, I play GTA, I really feel like driving recklessly afterwards. But doesn't the logic <laughs> of that go both ways, then? Yes. Yeah, okay. it absolutely does. Jake's, Jake is I'm just being a making a point by, by being <laughs> facetious here. But I mean, there is something to be said versus the sort of passive beta state shit that video games can do to you when it comes to amping you up, like play Mario Kart DS for like two hours with your buddies in a race and then get in your own car Yeah, it turns you, but then there's something to be said. That's what Jake means though. Right, right. But this is more um, reflective as opposed to... I think this is entirely. I think this is entirely I think, instinctual. I think. I think he just yeah. said. I felt like every time I saw a uh, a beggar, I'd give them money, and then I went outside and saw one. That again is and weird. Yeah. I don't know. Money. Yeah. I think it's the same thing as, the, a, as what you're is. describing with the cars. I mean, it's it's kind of like crazy to think about that it's the same thing, but I think it basically is the same kind of reaction in the brain. He kept, he gave the beggar a dime, and then she reached into her bag and handed her handed him half of a human heart. <laughs> she gave me cancer. It's <laughs> not how the game works. Oh. That's true. You get a half a heart, half of a human heart. Yeah, the, yeah. I don't know. I, I've I never mean, had an experience like the one he describes. But I've had a lot of ones like the ones Jake describes. The worst being, I'm sure I've talked. I'm 100 positive I've talked about this on the podcast. But the most extreme one was when I played a lot of Katamari, and I would be driving on the freeway, and I would just desperately want to just slam into the row of of streetlights. Yeah, because you could just. In the game, you can just slam through like yeah. a mile of those when, things, when, and it's the most satisfying feeling. Yeah, and I'd when, be in my car when and Katamari I just wanna... first came out on the PS2, and like that game did start just burning into my eyes. Yeah, driving did make me. Yeah, we've talked about this on the podcast where you're just like, oh, "Those cones are mine. I got them." Maybe that power line, maybe that fence. Yeah, and that's like <laughs> that's just immediate murder. Like that's uh, that's so funny. I do not get that stuff at all. Really? All at all. It yeah. doesn't happen to me that often, but some games... It hasn't happened to me in a while. I games think. which are just really, really repetitive behavior, yeah, and it is right. really fulfilling like that, mm-hmm. like a murder simulator, um, they really make you want to just do what's in the game. Um, yeah. Well, it's funny. So I, think, I think it's primarily that kind of immediate reaction kind of thing, as opposed to making you want to, over the course of several months, plot out a complicated murder, right? Like, that's the kind of thing that is going to require a lot of concerted 
effort and thought and probably means there's something else going on there but like but driving thing, your golf into a into a cone right you well, just what you, yeah, you just want to hear that's just <laughs> the really, that's like the result of just a snap just right right, right there just like a fraction of a degree of adjustment right, you know right. what i mean like yeah, that, no, I that. that kind of thing is i mean i've never actually acted on any of those things i'm just saying that is the category right of a reaction that my brain creates after playing a video game not not a like long protracted planning of a thing if i roll over enough small things in the next three months my car <laughs> might finally get big enough that i can take out those poles yeah and by that you mean the people of poland <laughs> this is the horrible <laughs> podcast all right lenny morrison writes thanks martin hi thumbers my name is ray thumbers hmm. well that's weird okay but his name being ray or thumbers well the fact that it's from lenny morrison and it starts with my name is ray Okay. <laughs> I love listening to your show. Wait, what's his name? Ray, I guess. No, his other name? Lenny Morrison. Oh, it's Lenny Ray Morrison. Oh, okay. I'm running into the show because I had a, a oh, story a musician, to share probably. and a question to ask. I've been playing the Living Daylights out of FTL. My son, another relevant thing. And my son, who's seven, thinks it's awesome. He's played it too, and he's starting to grasp the tactical part of the game. He does tend to buy every weapon just to see if it's cool. My daughter, who's six, Naturally. thinks it's neat to watch the bug guys fight each other and will watch me gasping each time a fire breaks out or an explosion happens on my ship. It's pretty amazing. You've talked about the sto- how the stories in FTL make things much cooler than the game would be otherwise, and the kids are playing FTL in the room using only their imagination and a bunch of pillows for system consoles. Oh, that's cool. oh, I see what he says. He's saying they're actually acting it out in their room. That's awesome. That's cool. They always want to know what happened after they go to bed, and I'm still up, and whether I won that time or not. I started to tell them bedtime stories about three plucket heroes flying the old outdated but reliable ship at the video game. The man, oh god, here we go. The man with the nickname Hot Scoops is the pilot, dodging multiple laser blasts with his patented barrel roll maneuver. The ever-ready Chris Remo manages the engines, bending them for every ounce of thrust he can achieve, and the cold-eyed gunner Nick Brecken pounding away at the enemy hulls with his trusty blast laser Mark II and his never-fail Artemis missiles. They hang on every word, and I tell them about a single encounter I had in the game. Um, giant alien spiders, a man lost on a planet by himself, a frightening mantis begging for mercy from the NG bounty hunters. It was a lot of fun to put these experiences into a story that have captured my kid's imagination. So I was going to ask you guys, do you think that more games, do you think that more games made for kids need these kinds of elements in them? Not necessarily people burning to death or choking on, in a vacuum, but something that lets little stories happen in their heads. In my experience, games are really dumbed down or very repetitive. Do you think there's a way for something like this to be made that would engage kids in this way with random occurrences that weave a story with a bit of imagination? Lifetime listener Ray. That is an awesome story, Ray. It makes me want to have kids. It makes me just want that golden book. <laughs> the FTL golden book? Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, You know what's a good example of this? And a lot of uh, like first and second grade teachers, a lot, I mean some, I mean maybe two, who knows, uh, no. are using Minecraft with kids. Oh, yeah, I saw this. To like, they learn sort of like base math, yeah. especially because Minecraft's all like base Minecraft, what, Minecraft is, or whatever is, is yeah got a lot of whatever that is yeah and uh, we all program computers you can tell <laughs> Eight. but uh, yeah and you're working together to you know build structures to, and like stories do emerge from that game and where really, everyone really, goes and explores a cave and then finds crazy stuff and then brings it back home to build a thing but someone died along the way or whatever yeah, yeah. exactly and yeah. you know I think it's I don't know it's funny because I think Minecraft might be a little hard for just emotionally for kids at the ages of raised kids just because you're in bot you're in a first person environment like navigating a space and if the kid is actually playing it i think it's probably a little intense to like die and lose all your stuff because <laughs> it's intense when i'm 28 for that to happen but uh yeah i 
Maybe so, it's less intense for the kid, though, yeah, you, they don't you, have the... You say that, but little kids yeah. play the games where you die over and over and over and over and over scary, over, though, over when and you're in the caves. Again. Man, kids get scared by stuff. I Apparently guess, not, though. And Mantis the, um, people eating each I got other. To see a, I got to see the uh, Minecraft documentary by the two-player productions guys, because this, oh, yeah. they screened it at the double... It's not out yet, but they screened it at the Double Fine office, like, last week. And there was a whole section in there about this... It's probably exactly what you're talking about, mm-hmm. but I had not. I was not aware of it before this documentary. Um about this teacher at an elementary school in New York City. Yeah, who, this is yeah has exactly. this whole Minecraft thing that he does. His, in his like class. Minecraft and the kids curricula. Are totally, yeah, like they're totally into it. They're little kids and they're completely one hundred percent into the whole thing. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. But to the flip side of that, I do think I can. I really agree with Ray uh, that games for kids uh, are not at all what something like FTL is. Don't have any sort of simulation mm-hmm. elements. Don't have any yeah. sort of like emergent narrative elements and that's a real bummer uh maybe it's maybe there is stuff that isn't like that now i don't know i haven't really like yeah. checked in on the little kids game I scene really for a while. either i mean I, but i was working when i was working at disney like it felt like every game that was being pitched by designers there uh and there was some cool stuff that was made but it was all sort of nostalgic for the type of games that they played as a kid so everything was sort of like oh remember how good those capcom disney games were gonna be like that but it'll be with these power rangers you know it's like it was all sort of like beat em ups and all sort of like yeah. really crisp platformers and a lot of games that were really, really great. Uh, but none that sort of decided to come at them from a completely different angle that, yeah. you know, it's really I mean, cool to raise kids like this game. That's one of the game. things that's, that's valuable about teaching kids to read or encouraging kids to like draw and paint and stuff, right? Is that those things are like vectors for imagination in a really, in a really pure way. I mean, and that's, that's a, that's a, a cool thing about, uh, about, something like FTL, which is a little more open-ended and which allows for little kind of kernels of story, but a lot of gaps to fill in with your imagination. Yeah. Whereas a lot of many kids games are just purely just a really straightforward story about a goofy character in a weird world. And that's, and like, it's very just concrete. It is this goofy thing. Um, but it's not really the game is, I mean, doesn't mean that a kid can't have an active imagination to build on that. But the game is not really implying you, you need to. Like right. It's just kind yeah, of yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, that would, that would be mm-hmm. a, an interesting angle for... And I think probably a lot of game designers wouldn't trust kids with that, right? Like, right, they would probably the assume that a kid is not... Or it's easier to just put a bunch of shiny stuff in their face and just right. and just say, here it is. Um, but I suspect that's not the case in reality. Right. I suspect that's not actually necessary. Thanks for sharing that, Ray. That was yeah. awesome. That was yeah, really for cool. Sure. Oh, and, and, there, and by the way, that was actually a really relevant thing about... Um, about that bit in the Minecraft documentary is one of the other teachers was interviewed who was not the one who does this. And she was like, yeah, this is weird to me. I looked at this and I'm like, Oh, there's no way the kids are going to think this is cool. This is all pixely. And they're going to want, you know, look at, look at what, look at what's in movies these days. Look, so look at what's in video games. Like there's no way they're going to, they're going to think this is super lame and old and not a single kid had said anything remotely like that because that's not what a kid cares about. <laughs> like right. a kid doesn't care about whether a thing well, is, especially super young kids. They like. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about kids of the age of if you're talking about like a 14 year old, that's a different story. Right. But if if you're still at the age of the like the tiles are rock and everything in between is hot lava, you can probably get away with a cube with a face on it yeah. as a thing that yeah. that kid can Absolutely. inject a ton of meaning and story into. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you always find yourself in FTL trying to fight people in the medical bay? Oh yeah, that's a great thing. Okay, good. I yeah. just wanted to make sure that was a, like a 
tried and true tactics. Because I was thinking about the implied narrative of that. I was like, quick, lure them into medical. Yeah, yeah. You just got these weird nano robots just like hovering around you. As you're just, yeah. How de- how demoralizing would that be to be the to be enemy guy in that as your enemy is just healing himself? Just, me, I'm shooting just, with one hand. I'm on like yeah. just wounds closing up around him, hooked like, up to an IV, cauterizing right. like he's just front. kicking the shit out of you as just healing lasers yeah. from all walls and robots. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, why are these only working on you? <laughs> I'm a person too. Come to my medical base sometimes, see how it feels. <laughs> yeah, I lost my entire then ship they warp to that out strategy. Right when they have got like one pixel of health left. But you lost your entire ship to that strategy? Yeah. <laughs> they, they Why are you trying? Well, they knocked out my sensors first, and I only had two guys left. So it was like, quick, you two to medical and just wait for them. And they just systematically went around to every oh, room in my ship. I, I, I was just, like waiting I for them. Just, I, won't I kept trying in, to lure them back to medical. I won't be in denial about it. <laughs> like, I mean, if I can get them over there. If I hide by the healing gonna... robot, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. Ship deactivated. Fuck. <laughs> by the time I got the sensors back on, the entire ship was in flames. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Elliot Page writes, hi, Thumbs. Thanks for resurrecting the podcast. I'll get right to the question. Do you ever have a demo of a game you bought? There a demo of a game you played repeatedly but never bought the full game. When it was coming out, I played the Deus Ex demo constantly, exploring the myriad ways to explore Liberty, Liberty Island and complete the mission. I never bought the game. I was underage at the time, and believe it or not, my local PC store actually followed age ratings. Crazy. Uh, after a while, I forgot about it in favor of Vendel's Hours of Unreal Tournament and CNC Red Alert. Uh, eventually, he got it in a bargain bin. He says he also did this with Wipeout 2097 on Sega Saturn. Um, interesting uh, second question has Chris started playing Dark Souls on PC uh, many thanks Elliot so the game that I have in mind for this is a game that I did eventually buy uh-huh. but I played a bazillion hours of it for zero dollars uh-huh. and I imagine Chris that you're in a similar situation <laughs> yeah probably um, but I feel like the the exercise when we pre-read this is that I said that I wanted to say one, two, three, then say the name of the game right, because it's it? either going to be hilarious or it's going to be really hilarious. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you, have you had this experience, Sean, of playing a demo if forever did, instead probably of the original not the game? One that I'm yeah, guessing no, no, it was I don't think. I mean, yeah, there there was a time in my life for sure, All but right. I I'll just say one, two, three. <laughs> okay. Are you going to be the count off? Right. Yeah. You ready? Do we say it where four would be, or do we one, say two, it? three? I'll game. do it here. Okay. For instance, okay. for instance, mm-hmm. it would be like. Like, let me. I'll say a game that's not a game that you're gonna say. Like one, two, three, Doom. Oh damn! It. Like that's what I like. That's one, yeah, two, okay. three. Right. Okay. okay, don't fuck this up. <laughs> one, two, three. Quake, Quake Free, Free Arena. Arena. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Man, I actually thought you were gonna say Unreal Tournament, and I was really hoping that you would. That would have <laughs> cracked me the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> because Unreal Tournament is those two games are the two games that are yeah. the most just I did it with both of them. Yeah, I played a ton of Unreal hours. Tournament uh, like, demo. I feel like the first Unreal Tournament probably Epic must have just gone, oh my god, we fucked this up hard because there are people who I know we're who, still playing who, the demo. <laughs> not not that, but probably who had 150, 250 hours of Unreal Tournament demo clocked. And never felt the need to buy the full yeah. game because for them, yep. the Unreal Tournament demo was basically Counter Strike or like Dota, where it's just like you just play Dust, you just play that one map. That's all Unreal Tournament is that one map mm-hmm. in the demo. Yeah, it's that's like all chess you need or something. Yeah, you just get that one board. And like Quake Three, it feels like they put DM Seventeen out as the demo map. That is Quake Three, so like <laughs> that's an interesting yeah. plan on their part. Yeah. Like we'll put out yeah, our you most can iconic that stuff. Though. I yeah, mean, they don't know what an iconic oh, I know. thing is when you put out Q Three test. 
I know, but it's yeah, it's it's crazy to me that both yeah. both those games were the two competing games, but also what they were actually competing with was their demo releases, their which demo. <laughs> which yeah, I remember looking at the Quake Three multiplayer browser, and it was, just, and then you could also let up the Quake Three demo multiplayer browser and find an right. entire separate <laughs> huge ass yeah. community. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that's part well, of why demos Quake, come out after the game. And now. Quake Three underperformed as a game. Yep. And I wonder how much of that is just for real reasons, and how much it I think is because it's, of that. Demo. I think it's the one-two punch of Q3 tests and everyone getting their time in on that, and then the demo just being a free version of Q3 test. Yeah. It's like, oh, you like DM17? Here you go. You keep playing that. Yeah. No other limits. <laughs> Got the dev console guy. You know, set your yeah, player limits. True. Join a server. Dedicated fucking server. There do whatever. used to be like, mods what? that would come out for demos. What? There used to be. I can't remember if this was Quake Three or, or or which, but there were definitely games where it people would release mods that were specifically intended for the demo build. Like that was a thing like, that happened, like in the late nineties, early two thousands. Unlock additional levels from the full game. That's not a mod, Chris. That <laughs> no, was you no. pirating the game. No, like just just you know just weird mod shit, like just goofy crap. I can't even remember any examples off the top of my head, but. But it was definitely a thing. Now you're happens. a crazy guy on a skateboard. Now you're a sentient eyeball. Oh no, those are actually <laughs> things that are in Quake Three by out of the box. God, that was so weird. <laughs> yeah, you were an Unreal Tournament player, John. Yeah. You want a Quake Three? I was. Mm. I played both. I, I probably played. Both. Play, I probably played an equal. Probably way more. We've talked about I played it a few times. Yeah, yeah. I played a lot more Unreal Tournament. A lot more. It was good. I liked the guided missile. The guided missile was awesome. Mm-hmm. Super good. It's pretty much the only reason to play that game. Okay. All right, good. Should we do another reader mail? Do yeah. Have, do we have another? So let's do one more if we have it. Okay. If not, let's end on a really down note. Ewan Miller writes, Dear Thumbs, hopefully including Scoops or Snipes. Who is Snipes? Oh, Patrick Klepek. Oh, JP. He's talking about JP Sniper. Oh, JP Sniper. Yeah, so we have to refer to JP as Sniper, I guess, now. No, we don't. Jean-Paul? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, I largely agree with what Chris said about the differences in the two games... Oh, the subject of the email is on the nature of Dark Souls and XCOM difficulty. So he says, while I largely agree with what Chris said about the differences in the two games' approach to difficulty, um, it did set off a nuke in my brain as to how similar they can be. Both games rely on disinformation to to create player tension, by not explaining game elements or adding some kind of hierarchy of importance to the UI, and as well as in the game itself and through the use of literal fog in both games and general unpredictability in enemy abilities. How could you know some alien would take control of a man's mind or that this particular chest would bite you in half if you open it up without attacking it first? Both games teach the player that patience is the highest virtue, saving time units and checking map boundaries in XCOM, observing enemy patterns and environments in Dark Souls. However, where Souls forces you to learn a script through repetition of an exact layout, from watching the stream it seems like XCOM requires thinking on the fly and reacting to new situations. Walls coming down sometimes is a great example of this. This might be a stretch, but do you feel these differences in approach are indicative of a larger Eastern Western design philosophy? This isn't to imply one is uh, is prestige or anything; just a regional design difference. Um, oh man, severe burn on JP coming up in this next sentence. Sorry about this thesis of an email, and thanks so much for the Steve Gainer Arcadia stream. If you know any other cool level designers, that seems like a rad thing to do again. Regards, Ion. Burn. Well, you mentioned JP earlier in this email. In fact, that was him. On that, he spot. probably meant JP. He probably meant Snipes, not Scoops. Yeah. Steve did not, in fact, work on Bioshock 1. Nope. Nope. But JP did. He was a level designer on Arcadia. Um, anyway, with respect to the question. Anyway, thanks yeah, for your email. It's, 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 let me just correct a misconception there. Anyway, thanks. Thanks for the email. Um, no, it, it's, it's a really good point. And, I, and the thing he brings up about 
uh, Eastern versus Western design philosophy. I mean, you know, like like any other broad regional generalization, it's a vague one, and it's obviously you could never be super strict about it. But I think there there definitely is something there. I mean, when you look at um, like even the games, Sean, you were referring to earlier about um, you know like a Capcom brawler or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, games that were Japanese console games in the late '80s and early '90s, there was a strong strain of them that was very, very, very deterministic in terms of level layout right. and being about memorization and reacting to a specific pattern of things. Right. Whereas what was going on in in Western game design at the same time was stuff like the Ultima games and you know, I mean there was right. like the the kind of or even something like Doom, which is very improvisatory gameplay experience, even though it's the same level layout every time, it's not it doesn't feel like playing Mega Man where you're gonna jump in the exact same place and blah 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 blah. Um and so I, th- I mean, I definitely think there are, there are, there is for whatever reason some weird cultural thing going there. And it's again, it's obviously yeah. not strict. But well, the game I was going to bring up mm-hmm. just was a, it feels like the apex of that to me, and also the apex of Japanese development right now are the Metal Gear Metal Gear games, hmm. which feel very. They have a lot of the things. They have, those games have a, a lot of so patience much, and waiting and kind of... But they are still... You're memorizing pattern and yeah. all the levels are set up to be completed in kind of the same way. Like, there's mm-hmm. not... You know, there's not a lot of random, you know, randomness to where the soldiers are. Like, I feel like if I played a perfect playthrough through Metal Gear Solid 4 and so did you, they wouldn't look in ter- terribly different, you know? Really? No, I, I, I don't know. That's either. the way I feel. Maybe. I think in Metal Gear 4, I played a lot of those games. On the level, on the level. I mean, I, I played a lot of them in the sense that I played through all of them. Um, I don't know if that means I've played as many hours of them as you have. But. Those games just, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, I played, it's tough. I don't get the same feeling that I get from something like an XCOM. Uh, no, I would say I, Metal I should Gear say like an XCOM a little, for what it's worth, a little bit more a in between the two extremes. Yeah. I don't think Metal Gear is quite on either extreme. But I could never see, it's hard for me to see a Japanese game going that hole, going that route. No, it seems pretty rare. I, can't, I mean, I'm sure there are examples, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah. It doesn't seem like something that is super common. Although, the, a, a Dark Souls game is, or a Souls game, has more of that, I think, weird... The, what he describes about the notion of that kind of value of patience and just observing and, and being solitary is something that uh, I don't think right now is very common in either right. in, in either flavor of game design. Probably never has been really in the broad sense. Um, but it's something I think is really is really cool. I'm, we've probably talked about that general feeling in games before on Metal Thumbs. Maybe not. In being alone and observing like yeah. you do in Far Cry? You son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, the first Far Cry game? No, no, the sequel. Mm. Mm. Oh, Far Cry 2. Mm-hmm. No, not really like that. <laughs> that Thank game's you. way more chaotic than what I'm talking about. I mean, where you where you really do like in XCOM. Well, XCOM's turn based, so I mean, obviously you can be, just sit there as long as you want. But it feels like a game where you kind of have to weigh things really carefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with same with a game like like Dark Souls, or I I haven't played very much Dark Souls yet, but I did play a whole lot of Demon Souls, and that's definitely a game where you where I if you know you're safe standing in a certain place, if you don't move, you can be pretty certain you're going to be fine for a while. I mean, mm-hmm. like it's someone's not just going to come out of nowhere. Probably, I don't. I don't want to say that conclusively because I can't remember well enough to know if that's always the case, but it it's definitely a game where you do find yourself observing and waiting and thinking and like watching and uh and there's something about that solitary nature 
the solitary nature of that game and of, of games with a similar ethic that I, I'm finding myself appreciating more and more and more these days. In fact, one of the reasons I think I haven't dove into Torchlight 2 as fully as I as I maybe expected myself to is just because that game is so... And it's great. I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed what I've played of it so far, but it is so... Like, just things happening all the time. And, like, you go into a fight and it's just madness until the fight's over because... Um, you know, I mean, there's, you've got to kill all the guys or you're going to die. You know, I mean, it's just really, really, uh, urgent always, as long as you're in any kind of, any kind of situation where there's anyone moving, um, you're going to have to deal with things. Even if it's not, even if you're not in danger of dying immediately, you still have to deal with everything right there, right now. You can't really stop and think about anything ever. And that's, that's becoming harder and harder for me to deal with in games for whatever reason. Um, and I think that's one reason I'm really looking forward to, uh, both XCOM and Dishonored, which both come out the same day. Because um, now having played demos of both of those games at trade shows and then now XCOM just downloaded, they both feel like that kind of thing. Like when I was playing through Dishonored, I know you can play that game just, you know, as a crazy assassin badass, but the way that I was playing it at QuakeCon in the demo was very much what I am just describing about Dark Souls or something where I'm just kind of hanging out on a rafter or something, just just watching every single guy go through their entire patrol route like three times just to make sure, you know, to make sure that it's all and just soaking it in, understanding what, how the systems are working and then deciding what I'm going to do and try to do it. And Far Cry 2 is kind of like that, but it's, it's way more like not so crazy shit. Once, once the shit hits the fan. Right. Right. Um, like I've, I've always found myself sitting in one place for way, way, <laughs> yeah, that's true. way too you can, long. You can. Totally and then the, that, that first step yeah. is the sort of, trips the wire that right. then like yeah, yeah, yeah. is the exactly. crazy yeah. yeah yeah um and it's it's just been really hard for me recently to get into something that's just going to be just in my face all the time and yeah. like ftl has been really great because it really is sedate you know i mean when you've been boarded and they're like there are these intense bursts of activity but, you can always but they're the kind of bar. you can always exactly you can always hit the space bar and it's the the game has got a really great kind of peaks and valleys with that right. stuff you know i mean it's and yet you were playing super hexagon last week and I, you know what's crazy i've already burned i already it was like three burned days and i'm just totally burned out like i yeah. every few days i've loaded up for the last like week or so i've loaded up super hexagon to just see mm-hmm. and and like five minutes later i'm like i can't know how do you <laughs> feel do about it. about like something like starcraft 2 or dota like a competitive I kick your ass. um, Starcraft 2, it's been like over a year since I played. I haven't tried recently, so I'm not sure. Although that, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, Although I think I would probably be, I'm just getting, I don't know. I'm really, I bought this asking here. I actually did load up Dota 2 the other day and then realized I didn't have any, there were, none of my friends were online and I'm just like, oh, never mind. (laughs) I think I can deal with that. I think that's why I liked 2v2 Starcraft 2 as opposed to 1v1. When I was playing with Brecken like every day for, you know, a year or whatever, it's super stressful and super intense 100% of the time, like 100% of the time. Right. It does not let up. That's what Dota is, yeah. Right. But I had Nick there. Like, we were talking over strategies together. And, like, even though we were constantly engaged in furious clicking all the time, we were we also were constantly talking about things we wanted to achieve, like, 10 minutes from now. And, right. You know, I mean, there... It, I find that... I completely agree with that, actually. Like, yeah. if I feel like if I... Like, I can't go home and play a single player or, or play a pickup match of Dota before going to bed... Because when I go to sleep, I'll just be a wired, <laughs> wired mess. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But if I play with the Thumbs Consortium, mm-hmm. the Lord's Management Consortium, excuse me, yeah, or just even one or two other people, um, that level, the communication 
in the sort of constant goal strategy. Like, okay, you go over here, we'll go over, like you're constantly trying to accomplish micro goals and mm-hmm. framed within the sense of a larger goal mm-hmm. is like some sort of mental release valve where I'm not carrying that tension with me after the game. If that makes sense. Like yeah, yeah. I finished the game and I've had this sort of this competitive game experience and all, but also the social experience. Mm-hmm. So when I'm done, I can just sort of, yeah, like, you've oh. been, you've been letting it off over the course of right. the game. Whereas when you're playing it single player, the only thing going on in, or not single player, but when you're playing it solo, right. the only thing going on in your brain is all of your crazy thoughts bouncing up against each other. And the sort know, of frustration like the, that you can't get those out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, they're just all like compounding and compounding and compounding. Uh, whereas when there's, when they're, one or more people on the other end of the microphone with you. You're all, you're just talking things through and you're, you know, you're vocalizing things and you're getting feedback on stuff. And like, it's still stressful, but, but I can deal with it a lot more. And so I, like, I think two days ago I logged into Dota 2 and I just, I like started the find a game thing and then I'm, I halfway through, I'm just, nope, no, nope, no, not no. doing it. I can't deal no. with this. Um, I need to get, I need to get kind of hooked into that thumbs consortium so that I can start to just play some games with those people. But, uh, um, yeah, it's funny. It's been like over the last few months, I think actually kind of since we brought Idle Thumbs back, I feel like I've kind of been in this mode where I, I've just, um, I don't think it's specifically since we brought Idle Thumbs back. I think it's been going on longer than that, but, it, but, um, that's when I've started to notice because it's been in the context of being like, oh, I better make sure I've played some games for Idle Thumbs. Um, and then I realized how much trouble I'm having playing games that are just going to stress me out. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like reading a book or watching a movie, even if it's a really crazy, intense, one doesn't doesn't stress me out that way, right. you know. Well, they're plotted and they're paced out to be yeah, not not that way. Well, and they're also not going to the words are not going to jump off the page into my face. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right? Like or or well, probably not. I don't know. I, I feel like iPad. that is what happens, and then you sort of like the camera pulls back, and you're riding around on a book, like swirling <laughs> around through the clouds. Um, that's true. Butterfly in the sky. Um, oh, I can, I can go twice as high. So mm, that's true. Yeah. Well, yeah. Take, take a, a look. look. Book, Where should I, where, uh, the the Idol Book Club. <laughs> Thanks, Available guys. The first Friday of every month. <laughs> yeah. um, it is worth mentioning because we we dropped it in passing, but if you do want to hear some other dudes talk about FTL and about some roguelikes, you should listen to Three Moves Ahead this week on idlethumbs.net. Cross-network promotion. We'll have to just we'll have to just take our best guess at endorsing that one because it might be a terrible episode. We haven't heard it yet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. It's no. probably pretty good. It's probably good. No, those guys, guys are good, and yeah. hearing them talk about that is surely interesting. Yeah. Three moves ahead mm-hmm. on the Idle Thumbs podcast network. Not to one, be confused with one three anecdote <laughs> for each move ahead. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> oh, all right, we're done here. I think you're right. I think you're correct. You going for the last word here? Is that what's happening? No, no, no. I was just agreeing. You can. Someone else can say the last word. It's important for me to reiterate that what was interesting five minutes ago is not so much interesting now under the auspices of anecdotal <laughs> entertainment. None of these are, an, by the definition of what an anecdote thing, is, Sean, none of my anecdotes are if anecdotes. You, if you one, let's just, not one. Here, hold on. Here, here's the deal. None. Sean, here's the deal that we're making. Sorry, we own scoops. We have prior art on scoops.